Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry. Derek, uh, Kentucky basketball has new home uniforms. Oscar Shibway uh, and Kentucky unveiled those today on their men's basketball Twitter account. We don't have the full look of the jersey all at once, but I don't spot any checkerboard. No, the checkerboard has disappeared. You fans out here of the major voices, uh, you've your cries have been answered. Uh, no more checkerboard. A really nice looking uniform. If you haven't seen it, uh, you know, go to UK men's basketball Twitter account. Also, looks like Sean they've done some logo changes on these UK accounts. Uh, different profile pictures now. So maybe a whole a whole uh, makeover coming from the athletic department. Yeah, and as always, this show, it's powered by Blue Wire Pods. It's also powered by the Butcher's Pub, three locations, Palmville, Williamsburg, and London, Kentucky. You can visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook. But, Derek, we wanted to talk about the basketball jerseys to kickstart this episode because they unveiled them as soon as we hit pub or started hitting record on this episode. But the main topic we're going to talk about is football. And we now have a top 20 showdown in college football in Gainesville. It's been a long, long time since both of these teams have been ranked. I think you got to go back, what is it, 1950? Is it 52 that you got to go back to find these two teams ranked? Or Gainesville. They were both ranked in 07 when UK hosted. Okay, uh, that's right. That's right. In Gainesville. Okay, so a long time. Uh, but it is a top 20 showdown. Florida climbs all the way to number 12 in the AP poll from unranked. Kentucky stayed put at 20 and then moved up a spot to number 20 in the coaches' poll. This is a pretty big game in the SEC in week two, and it just kind of – I was sitting here thinking about it earlier before we started recording, and I was like, man, you know, like this is another one of those stepping stones for Mark Stoops in this program to to be the team in this matchup, to have it be a ranked matchup because for so many years it was Florida ranked in the top ten, Kentucky unranked, Kentucky hoping for an upset, and now it's two programs that are uh, well represented in the polls and uh, a lot of talent on the field Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, you look at the schedule for this Saturday and, you know, they're, it's pretty easy to see this as a top five minimum matchup in college football. Uh, it's one of only two ranked games, I think. Uh, Pittsburgh and Tennessee are also ranked. Uh, Texas is still unranked, right? And obviously, Alabama and Texas is kind of the, the big headliner, headliner on Saturday because of the two, you know, big brands, two national championship winning programs and some good storylines in there with Sarkeesian being a former uh, assistant understatement. Um, but for the SEC at, at night, you know, in terms of the night schedule on ESPN with, you know, you got, you got Tessitore on the call and when Tessitore is on the call, crazy things can happen. Of course, he and McElroy, uh, Greg McElroy were just on the call for the, uh, Florida state. I, th- I think he was on the call for Flo- yeah, Florida state and LSU. McElroy dragged for, uh, his opinion on letting, uh, LSU score, LSU is going to let Florida State score. I saw a lot of people tweeting about that. So, um, Tessator, of course, kind of famous for things getting a little bit wild whenever he's on the call. Somehow it works out in his favor that way. But it's going to be awesome. I mean, second straight big game for Florida. Uh, you know, emptied the tank a little bit that last game. But I mean, we've seen it in the past, though. It could just be kind of a thing that kickstarts it for those guys. Maybe they just needed to see something like that to buy in. And maybe it's just, uh, a lot of good things from here from the Florida Gators. But I got to say, Sean, that's a, that's a pretty massive jump from unranked to beating a top 10 team at home. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and downplay Florida's win over Utah. So that was a great victory. Uh, I have my doubts, you know, that Utah was ever 
They wouldn't have been in my college football playoff. I'll say that. I know they were kind of a fun pick for no. me. Uh, I'm not. I mean, it's for for a new era, a new coach coming in. To, to, but it is a quality team that brought back a lot of guys. So I mean, it's a it's an impressive win, no doubt about it. That feels like a like a huge. Um, it's just it is a huge jump. There's no way around. I think I saw it might have been the biggest jump ever from an unranked team to a team being ranked the next week. So if Kentucky wins, it works out very well in Kentucky's favor because you you know you beat a. a Top fifteen team on the road, uh, an SEC East rival. I mean, I I would say rival. The series has been very close. Kentucky, uh, very close in terms of the final score in some of these games. Kentucky, I think, absolutely should have won more than two games so far in the Stoops era. But that's all it has to show. And to go on the road and, and beat those guys back to back for the first time since the seventies uh, would. Well, I think would be one of the no doubt biggest statement wins of the Mark Stoops era. And coincidentally put him as the all-time winner all-time leader and coaching wins at Kentucky yeah yeah how about that let's let's just say that Mark Stoops does pull that off against the team that Kentucky for three decades couldn't beat at all and then he would beat them what three times in five years and then set the you know the all-time wins record alone atop the and pass Bear Bryant that would be a pretty impressive thing uh, for a UK football coach to do uh, also, Derek, before we, we get too deep into this, I, I think we need to, to, you know, at least acknowledge the passing of, uh, of Guy Morris, uh, a Kentucky, a former Kentucky football coach there for two years, 2001, 2002. Uh, I know that, that he passed away yesterday. UK sent out their press release today. Uh, it, it, I remember those two Kentucky teams very, very well. I grew up, I was in the stadium the day that that LSU won on the Hail Mary, and then he did an excellent job in those two seasons, especially that 2002 season. Yeah, that was sad to hear. Um, you know, I think all of us, for sure. I mean, I've been touched by Alzheimer's or, or dementia. I had two family members, my grandma three years ago, and then a great uncle about six years ago who uh, both passed away from that disease. So, prayers to his family. Uh, I'm glad he was able to make it out last month to fan day. Um, and then I had seen some tweets, I think, I don't know, maybe early last week or late last week that um, the, the tone of it, you know, it didn't sound good. So I figured it was kind of near the end for, for God Morris. But, yeah, I mean, you mentioned remembering those teams. They were a little bit ahead of my time. I, you know, I didn't really, I think, start paying close attention until around 05 or 06 um, when I was around 11 or 12. So he was just a little bit before my time there. But, uh a greatly respected man. And I was, you know, reading his bio and pretty cool. I thought that, you know, he chose to retire in Kentucky because he was from Texas. I don't know where his, I don't know where his wife or anybody else was from. Maybe they were from here, but he uh, lived in Danville and that's where he passed away. And um, again, just, just thoughts to his family and glad that UK was you know able to recognize him on Twitter, on the Twitter account last month, whenever he did come out to practice and got that picture with uh, Mark Stoops. Yeah, and uh, we, we probably should have opened with that. I, I didn't want to go the entire episode without mentioning it. Uh, so, uh, you know, thoughts and you know thoughts and prayers to his family and the UK football family. But uh, Kentucky, big time game coming up this weekend in Gainesville, Derek. And I know Kentucky's going into this thing. There's still a situation there surrounding Jordan Wright, Chris Rodriguez. Mark Stoops didn't offer a lot. Said that it is out of his hands. He can't speak on it. He's been advised not to speak on that situation so we're, we're still kind of playing this waiting game to win or if we'll see those guys what can what will Kentucky look like at running back 
we know that Kenneth Orsi has moved over to left tackle this week at Florida. I know you probably have some thoughts on that. I think you did share a little bit on yesterday's episode. So there are some things to watch. So are there anything else? Is there anything else that you were looking for this week leading up to kickoff on Saturday? Just some storylines or some things you're watching about this matchup. If Chris Rodriguez and well, mainly him. I mean, I think it would be a miracle. <laughs> Seems like it'd be a miracle at this point if he's able to get out there and play. Although Stoops did not, you know, he really didn't say anything different from last week he when didn't. asked about it. I mean, I've seen Justin Rowland tweet uh, in terms of Jordan Wright. Uh, it's actually not just Justin. I've heard from multiple places that there's an expectation that Jordan Wright will play on Saturday. And, and how uh, big is that? If you don't have Rodriguez, how big is it that you get Wright and you get Weaver both? Well, I mean, it's that's a big – I mean, Jordan was a guy that they needed, and for him to come back for a 60 – I mean, if they didn't get him, I think they're going to have to hit the, the portal last year uh, to land a guy. So, you know, they held up pretty well without Jordan last week, it seemed like, but that's a guy with a ton of experience. Um, you know, one of their best pass rushers, uh, probably second best beyond J.J., but a guy who – he's kind of had a knack for big plays in his career. You know, he recovered the fumble against Virginia Tech, ran it in for a touchdown. He's – Batted the ball up in the air last year in the Citrus Bowl whenever it got uh, intercepted by Derek Jackson. And I feel like I might be missing oh, yeah, the pick six in Mississippi State in the uh, COVID year. So he's a guy who's, uh, I think at one point, had more t- I hated to call it some of those old wide receivers, but I want to say he had more touchdowns than some of those guys who uh, played wide receiver for Kentucky from uh, like 2017 to 2020. Um but it is a big deal to get him back. But the, the storyline I was going to talk about with if, you know, to just assume that Rodriguez is out, I mean, I think it's time to free Lavelle Wright. I would make him the feature back. And I know it's uh, not the easiest assignment whenever you're going to the swamp and, you know, kind of going to be asked to do a lot in your first game. But I think, uh, I think he's the kind of guy that if you're going to talk about a, a carry share for Saturday. I would prefer to see him get more around the Cavassier smoke in, in my opinion. He, yeah, I think I think he has to be your guy. If if you're going to do anything against Florida in that environment, I, I think that this could be Lavelle Wright's, you know, breakout party. And I know you you texted me yesterday though that this is uh this is Will's game. You know, this is a Levis. This to me, Derek, is where as a quarterback, if you're going to live up to all this hype, and we know all the hype that surrounded Levis all offseason, all, you know, fall camp going into the season, the talk of him being an NFL draft pick, where he is on draft boards, you go to Florida without your star running back, one of the best running backs in school history, and you find a way to beat Florida again, but you do it impressively with the passing game, showing that those leadership qualities and things that you do as a playmaker. This feels like the type of moment where if Will Levis is going to be considered to be one of those elite NFL draft picks or maybe even put his name, let's say, in the Heisman category, you do it in week two on the road in Gainesville in a win that would be just huge for your program. Yeah, I mean, I think this is really the first game in his career that, you know, and again, we're, we're still working under the assumption that Rodriguez isn't going to play. Um, so... We saw what happened last week when they were, weren't really able to turn and just hand the ball off and kind of use a, a, a ground game. I mean, I guess in a way he kind of carried them last week. Uh, but, with you know, against the opponent, that wasn't the first time we had seen a pass-heavy approach against a, a group of five school. They were actually pretty regularly last season under uh, Liam in the three games that were uh, – 
either a group of five or, or FCS. They they threw the ball around a lot, and then Scangarello kept that up yesterday. But against a, you know, I don't know, Sean is Florida elite. Are we going to say Florida's an elite team? That's number 12. I don't know what you want to call it. Either way, a, a tough atmosphere in a, in a game that, you know, easily kind of shapes where you could finish in the East. Because if you win this game, you're, you're very, very likely to start 4-0. I personally think – I've been saying it for a little while. I think that Ole Miss game is a little easier than Florida. It doesn't mean it's going to be a win. But no. you could be in a spot again where you're sitting 5-0. and um, to, to start a well, – I just – you can go ahead. Well, I was – somebody asked me the other day during the Utah-Florida game, if, if you're a Kentucky fan, who do you want to win this game? Do you want Florida to win this going in, you know, playing them off that that high of beating a top 10 team on their home field? I said you want Florida to win. And, and I think I think that that even – I think that helps Kentucky. I think that – and I think that Billy Napier, obviously, he, he had a lot of good things to say. Well, when he was asked the one question about Kentucky yesterday during his press conference, he, he had some good things to say about Mark Stoops and respect for the program and – I think he even used the term a develop, developmental program, I think is what he what he used. Or I don't I don't really remember exactly how he said it, but I feel like coming off a win is how you want to go into Gainesville. Had they lost, then I think they would have been even – I think the team would have been up even more for this game. You don't want to start 0-2 in the Bill and Napier area. But I do think that getting them off a high like that beating a top 10 team at home in Utah. You get Kentucky walking in here, first SEC game. Now they're up to number 12. They're ranked higher than Kentucky. Mark Stoops can have that chip, his program have that chip on their shoulder again. The underdog, I think it sets up better for Kentucky that Florida beat Utah in the opener than had they lost the opener, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, it does. I mean, I hope they've been reading the press clippings this week. You know, I hope they – I've been hearing how great they are. And, you know, going up to number 12, I think probably it's a a fan base that – expects to you know be even higher than that they expect to compete for national titles and, and sec championships um i would agree though i mean i, I had a hard time thinking they would probably start owing two. um the narratives and we can get to this next week depending on what happens but the narratives will be interesting depending on who wins if yeah it's okay. going to change at all yeah yeah is kentucky going to jump from 20 to 10 next week if they beat a florida team that voters clearly thought uh exactly under rank, so I mean, is it going to be viewed well, as a terrific win for Kentucky, or people are going to say, eh, maybe Utah's a little overrated, or I don't know what it's going to be. But if, if Florida beats Kentucky, though, you talk about a hell of a resume to start a season to beat Utah. And Kentucky. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So last year, Kentucky was unranked when they played Florida. Florida was number 10. Kentucky mm-hmm. beats Florida. What did Kentucky go to in that poll, Derek? It was what? Just north of 20? I don't remember exactly. It wasn't. I mean, it wasn't top 15, top 14. They played LSU the next week. They did, and I don't remember what they were ranked, but it wasn't an 18, 18-19-point jump in a poll. So Utah only dropping from 7 to 12 tells you what voters think about Utah. And then it obviously that win was massive for Florida. If they get another top 20 victory or a victory against the number 20 team in the country, where does Florida go in the poll? So I think if Kentucky goes to the swamp and wins – I'd be pretty disappointed if Kentucky didn't at least jump into that top 12, given how well that they've, they've viewed Utah and that win for Florida. So I think this is a significant opportunity for Mark Stoops and their program. If they get this win and they climb as far as what they, what they should, if that's what we're, if that's how we're viewing Florida, then you could be looking at by the time Kentucky goes to Ole Miss, Kentucky, a top seven, top eight team in college football with the road opportunities. This is a big deal. Yeah, it looks like Kentucky was actually 16th. Um, and and they, that they beat Florida to start 5-0 last year. So it's a bigger jump than I remembered. Uh, I don't remember what they were. I know they weren't in the poll, but I don't remember where they were receiving votes. I don't know if they were like 27th, 28th, right outside the poll. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was definitely a big jump. But I want to give a – That check. was a massive jump for, for Florida after a three-point win versus Utah. That's the team that was picked fourth in the SEC East. Now they're up to number 12 in the country after one win. I mean, it's kind of wild. But I want to give a shout-out to an old college friend, uh, still a current friend, but uh, Nick Gray. He put it on my radar that – and I didn't even realize this, but in terms of the last regular season win that Kentucky had as a ranked opponent playing another ranked opponent. So so take the bowl games out because Kentucky's had a few wins uh, when it was ranked and played another ranked team in a bowl game. But they've not won a regular season game since 2007 in that scenario when they beat LSU. So you're going on a long time since Kentucky had a number next to its name and beat another team in the regular season whenever it had a number next wow. to it. So, you know, it's, you know, you came in a really long time without being ranked. I mean, over a decade, I think, um, around there, around a decade where it wasn't ranked at all. And then uh, I don't know how many games it's actually played. Because I want to say last year, every single loss was against an unranked team, right? So... Yeah, uh, other than Georgia. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, of course, Georgia. So you know they played one game last year, I think, in the regular season against another team when both teams were ranked. So I mean, that's a nugget that would be nice to you know, to add another big one because you, you know some of the people who are critical, I guess you could say, of Kentucky, it's like who do they really ever beat in the regular season? And I don't know how fair that is. I mean. I don't, I don't, I don't know what it says, but I mean, I think you have seen some teams kind of torpedo once they lost to Kentucky, uh, Florida last year. LSU was probably already heading that way, but there is really no doubt. And I think LSU might even said that on the record, uh, the AD or maybe even Ogeron. Like once they lost to UK, they knew that it was pretty much over for him. And then I want to say in eighteen, um, well Tennessee, every coach that's ever lost to Tennessee, I think, got fired. Uh, after that season or during that season or the very next year for Dooley's case, but Jones and uh, <laughs> Pruitt both got fired in the same after that. 
Jones got fired during the season, then Pruitt, I think, might have made it all the way to the end. I can't even remember with him. That was a weird year, the COVID year. Um, but, no, I mean, I think the biggest storyline, again, going back, and let's mention Horsey real quick. I know you don't have a ton of time, but yeah, I think the choice he kind of had to make, um, it's do you leave Horsey in his natural position at left guard, roll the dice with Olobo again, and who sounds like he was, like, extremely out of necessity that he even moved from right tackle to left tackle. Because you'll notice on the depth chart, he's back to being listed as the backup right tackle. Yeah. So, I mean, the choice was to roll the dice with him again or to kick Horsey out. And Horsey started the bowl game there. He played some last year whenever Rosenthal. Rosenthal had a couple games where he got banged up a little bit and Horsey kicked out. I can actually remember asking Supes a question about Horsey playing tackle last year. Um, so, you know, this is a guy with a little bit of experience doing it. I understand why people maybe don't have the have a ton of confidence in it. I, I totally get that. It sounds like he's really not practiced out there that much. Um, but to me, it seemed like they think Jagger is the better player between he and Molibo. So, you know, you put him at left guard. Stoops has mentioned the communication aspect of this thing a few times. So it seems like they think that I don't want to pin the – I don't want to – you know, blame Wally for for any sacks I might have been given up on the left side communication-wise. But it was, I don't know. That's kind of how I took that to mean that they thought that basically playing two redshirt freshmen next to each other might have been part of the reason that they had some communication issues. Yeah, um, and, and going to Florida, you need yeah. – this feels like the week where you want to have, you know, some confidence on that offensive line, some stability there, some experience on that offensive line. And then when you get into Youngstown State and the rest of that non-conference schedule there the next couple of weeks, then you start kind of figuring out maybe what your offensive line looks like beyond that when you go to Ole Miss. Well, I think you got to play good ones. Um, maybe not this game. Um, and that's not to say that good ones when I get in there against Youngstown State and play well. I don't know that he will. But he, in terms of a prototypical left tackle on your roster, he's literally might be the only one. At this point, a 6'8", 350-pounder who I think is, when he signed with Kentucky was viewed as the, you know, a cornerstone piece of the future of this offensive line. And uh, if he's not ready, if he, if, he, if he plays these next two games after Florida and proves that he's just not capable of, you know, handling the job this year, no big deal. He's a true freshman. Try to get him ready for, for next season or hope he can del- deliver whatever he can. If that's the case, then I, I think left tackle could be a year-long issue i mean realistically part of me thinks that if keontae was even close right now they'd probably have well i don't want to say they would have started a true freshman left tackle game one i'm not sure but i do think it makes sense not to play him unless you just absolutely i mean if horsey gets hurt or something and you have to play him then that's one thing but willingly throwing him out there you know for his first big game being at the swamp i get where I will be confused, though, is if he doesn't get a lot of playing time the next two weeks because I think that's kind of your time to, to iron it out. And then, I mean, I think that's the best – if you're looking at the best-case scenario for Kentucky, I think it's that Goodwin proves that he can handle it this season. And we don't know that he'll be able to. I mean, didn't play at all uh, in a meaningful snap anyway against Miami, Ohio. And, again, they didn't run a ton of plays. I think it was – they didn't even run 60 plays, I don't think, so – uh, Stoops said they would try to they wanted to try to get him in there and it just didn't work out. So we'll see. But that's kind of how I view the left tackle situation. And it's unfortunate. I mean, that it's such a huge storyline going into this week, but 
the coaching staff has made the decision to, to play what, and Stoops has said this, even what they think is the five best guys. So in my mind, Sean, what I think would be great is if, you know, by the end of this season, Goodwin's proven that he can hold his own at left tackle. And, you know, I think Horsey's certainly going to be a starter, but it, it seems like Jagger at the very least is going to be heavily rotated in at that guard spot. You know, you could be looking at a situation where, where you have four or five guys coming back next season as starters uh, with, with Wallabo as a, you know, potentially a swing guy, but more likely the the future right tackle once Jeremy Flax graduates here in a couple of years. So not giving up on Wallabo at all. I just think uh, they kind of rolled the dice with him and he wasn't ready for it. But it's one game and he's a super young guy and I'm pretty high on him still. It just might not be at that position. So, so maybe hey, – go ahead. It was – I was going to say, like, is this a situation where if we look up and Kentucky's going to Ole Miss and Goodwin is the starting left tackle, then you feel a lot better about the outlook on the offensive line as the season goes along, or I think or what? So. I mean, I don't think they're going to play Goodwin just to play him. I mean, I, I'm I'm not going to say I'm high on Kenneth Horsey at left tackle. Like, it's not – I don't think it's the ideal scenario. I also don't think it's going to be a disaster, though. I mean, he's played a full so, game there you know, against Iowa last year. He's, he's played other snaps there. He's not a, a natural left tackle. He doesn't have the prototypical size that you would expect, but – I, if you're asking me, would I rather have Horsey or Wallabo at left tackle for this game? I think Horsey's an easy choice. I think so too. I think that that's the the right call there, for sure. Uh, but what do we got the rest of the week? You got any ideas? Should we should we do a mailbag going into the game? Maybe answer some questions later in the week. Uh, obviously, we'll do our predictions episode and stuff. We'll try to get to that. We didn't do a predictions episode for week one, so maybe we can get back to that and do some. Uh, some week two predictions, predict Kentucky, Florida, predict some of the other games in the SEC. That that Tennessee Pitt game is one that I'm I'm watching closely. Is there is there anything else in college football you're looking at this week? I mean, that's a big game. I mean, I, I feel pretty good about Tennessee uh, winning that game. I mean, they got the revenge factor. And not, I think Alabama, Texas, it'll probably go about how you think it will. I'm sure Alabama will, will, uh, will have their way with the Longhorns. But my eyes are – it's all about Gainesville. Mentally, Sean, I'm, I'm at Saturday about 7 p.m. <laughs> waiting to see what's going to happen here uh, with Kentucky and Florida. I mean, I, I think – I wish I could articulate it better, but I just think with, like – this is – I think it's just such a huge moment for for Levis, for for this. Now I think it's like a – you know, I, I don't think if they lose another season – I mean, you can still get to nine wins, even – if you lose this game, just because I've kind of felt like you needed to at least split Florida and Ole Miss so you can still beat Ole Miss. And, uh, you know, you probably, probably need to win both your home games against uh, old, uh, South Carolina and Mississippi State, though. And you could still lose at Tennessee and at or uh, at home against Georgia and stuff, a really good season. But it would really deflate the SEC East talk because it's pretty unlikely that you would lose to Florida and actually have a chance for that Georgia game to to be for the SEC East. And it might not matter anyway if I Georgia looked against Oregon. I mean, they look like a, a damn juggernaut. Yeah, and, and we've always seen, you know, we know the blueprint for Kentucky's 10-win seasons. They've yeah. had one common denominator. They've both beaten Florida. Mm-hmm. So it would be a huge step for the program to do it and have a winning streak against the Gators. But we'll be right here all week to take you through it leading up to kickoff. Uh, we'll get to some more episodes this week. As always, he's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily.